This is the time and again home service. During these dark, difficult days, take a moment to turn up your wireless and listen to this week's episode of Greyhounds, made in association with Yorkshire Air Museum. And remember, your courage, your cheerfulness, and your resolution will bring us victory. Good evening, Miss Winters. Is your sister in? No. Ah. Well, she left her gas mask in the hall. Can't have that, eh? Regulations and so forth. She's finalising the costumes with Mrs. Holt. Of course. Of course. Is there something you wanted? What? No. Well, do you have a light? You know I do. But I suppose you want to borrow it. You never know what to say to me, do you? Not really, truth be told. That's all right. Not many people do. Croft does. Yes, he does. I know what to say to you. They all think you're just an injured pilot and you haven't bothered to correct them, but I notice things. I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. I like to know things. So I listen to the words people aren't saying and watch them when they think no one's watching. If you're a little bit strange, and a little bit quiet, people seem to think you're a little bit unreal, and it makes seeing things easier. There's no need to look so worried here. Read this. I see. I think the position will suit you admirably. I always did. You left the paper in rehearsals that day, didn't you? So I would see the crossword. I don't read the telegraph. Neither do I, but one hears things. Have you told your sister? Not yet. She won't like it. She may surprise you. Young lady like yourself. Vital war work. It's all very exciting, isn't it? Quite the adventure for you. I disappoint Ruby bitterly, you know. All because I'm not scandalous and bold and I don't drink and have love affairs. But she is right. So much time is wasted. It's quite absurd to let one's happiness be ruined by a matter of... of social policy. What did you think about when your plane smashed into the ground like that? I could see my bone jutting up out of my skin and it reminded me of a joint of meat. I thought of Sunday lunch at home, before the war. Gravy and roast potatoes. Roast potatoes? What a waste of a final thought. When you next find yourself near death, I do hope you give it a a better try. Good night, Mr. Holmes. Good night, Miss Winters. Suffolk first died. And York, all haggled over, comes to him where in gore he laid him steeped, and takes him by the beard, kisses the gashes that bloodily did spawn upon his face, and cries aloud, Tarry, dear cousin Suffolk, my soul shall thine keep company to heaven, as in this glorious and well-foughten field we kept together in our chivalry. Upon these words I came and cheered him up, 
He smiled me in the face, brought me his hand, and with a feeble grip says, Dear my lord, commend my service to my sovereign. So did he turn, and over Suffolk's neck he threw his wounded arm and kissed his lips. And so espoused to death with blood he sealed a testament of noble ending love. The pretty and sweet manner of it forced those waters from me from which I would have stopped. I had not so much of man in me. And all my mother came into mine eyes and gave me up to tears. Afternoon, Arthur. You're in for your usual. Make it a half. Times are hard, aren't they? Tell me about it. The barrel's running low and it's another week until delivery. All I've got is this crate of potato wine that Ernest Singleton dropped round. I don't think it's fit for human consumption. Give it to them on a Friday night after a couple and they won't notice the difference. What's all this here about a seance? I didn't know Shuttlefield was rife with the black arts. Mrs. Alt and her band of ghouls. Well, they've ordered enough sherry to sink a steamer, so I'm not complaining. You feeling better now, Billy? It was nothing. You should never have got the doctor involved, Arthur. He was asking all sorts of questions. Well, there's no need to go over it now. What are you having? No, I can't stay. I'm up at Matlock's this afternoon. He needs help with the tractor. Suit yourself. He's getting a bit jumpy because a farm over in Ellsworth were fined last week by the Ministry of Agriculture for not producing enough crops. Nearly 20 pounds, apparently. Stone the crows. Good afternoon, Mrs White. We don't usually see you in here. I should hope not. A woman in my position. I only came in because it's frightfully important that I find Mr. Martin. I have reports of the woman at number 37 using... Well, I thought he might be in here. Sorry, there's been no sign of him this morning. Here. Any more news in that country? I heard Pip Jones has taken him in. I'm afraid so. I went straight round, naturally, as soon as I found out and pointed out a few facts. He has that nice girl staying with him at the moment, for one thing. What on earth her parents would think if they found out, I do not know. I shouldn't think they'd care. She's got a nice, comfortable house to sleep in, away from the bombing. What more could they ask? I don't remember inviting you to join our little conversation. Though you always have the most interesting views, Arthur. I suppose you feel sorry for him. Why would you say that? Well, we all know your peculiarities on the subject. Not wearing your medals, not coming to services of remembrance. It does make one wonder. Why? I'll walk up with you, Billy. I'm done here. You haven't finished your drink, Arthur. I'm not thirsty anymore. You go on ahead, Arthur. I'll catch you up. Well, I've made it perfectly clear Croft's not welcome in here anymore. And if he does come in, I won't be serving him. Quite right. It's bad for morale. We don't need that sort of thinking in this village. If you turn Croft out of this pub, or humiliate him in any way, you'll have me to answer to. Is that clear? I didn't know you were an ardent advocate of the conscientious objector, Mr. Sheringham. Signed up to their cause, have you? Of course I haven't. 
I ate all that rubbish. I'd give anything to be back out there doing my bit instead of trailing around the village picking up odd jobs. Then why should you care about Croft? Because I don't have a short memory like some people. It's called returning a favour. Whilst the rest of you looked on like a load of goldfish, Will Croft bandaged up my arm and helped pull me through. So lay off. Understand? You know, he never was quite the same after Dunkirk. Such a shame. Can I get you anything, Mrs. White? Sherry? Glass of gin? Well, perhaps just one. Oh, step back. Let me see what it says. One week to go. Very nice. Oh. Oh, I think the red has come out rather well. I've heard of Moranga are making an entire dragon out of paper mache for their St George's Day celebration. But I suppose Henry V will be, be lovely too. I imagine you must be all ready. Oh. oh, yes, absolutely. Just dusting off the last few details. Did you hear that terrible commotion earlier? Most of the village turned out. Was there a raid? I, I, I didn't hear the siren. Oh no, I'm not talking about an air raid. I'm talking about Olivia Ellis at number 37. I don't think I've ever met her. Just as well. Apparently, Mrs. Wife found out that she's been using four ration books when only three people have ever been seen going in and out of that house. Well, maybe it she... turns out, when they first received their ration books, Mrs. Ellis was sent both a child and an adult book for her son. And instead of sending one back, she's been collecting on both. The cheek of it? Apparently she said to Mrs White that she thought she'd been sent two books on purpose as her son was big for his age. <laughs> and Mrs White stormed round and asked about it loudly enough for the entire street to hear. Oh no, she'd already told Mr Martin and sent him round to sort things out. I always thought there was something strange about that family. Both parents have hair as dark as night and the sun is as golden as honey. It makes you wonder. What? <laughs> what does it make you wonder? If he is really their child at all. Mrs Ellis could have always... They seem a perfectly happy family. Mm, well, of course, if it wasn't for Mrs White actually having met your mother, there'd be many that would wonder about you as well. What on earth do you mean? Well, it's an easy assumption to jump to. You bringing up Catherine on your own, the age difference, no sign of any parents. But of course, Mrs White always does tell people... Oh, I've got Mrs White's seal of approval, have I? Oh, it must be all right then. Are you feeling a touch under the weather? My sister's had a terrible toothache last week. It made her temper quite frayed. Yes, I expect that's it. A toothache. I really think it would be best if I rested it alone. Well, if you're sure. I'll see you with Mrs Alts on Tuesday. I'm very excited to see this Madame Zelenka in action. <laughs> are you alright? Miss Winters, are you crying? Silly of me making such a fuss. Oh, here, take my handkerchief. You're quite safe. I haven't used it yet. Oh, thank you. I always forget to bring a handkerchief, though you should always keep one up your sleeve. They're terribly useful. Do you mind if I sit down? I like to watch the sunset. It makes me think of marmalade. A big spoonful of marmalade sliding down a piece of toast. Not too big a spoon these days. Oh, indeed.
Mrs. Henderson is dreadful woman. Well, well, I don't know about that. They all are. Narrow-minded busybodies, the lot of them. I'm sorry. What exactly do the Foreign Office do? Something to do with tigers, I think. Or is it elephants? My nephew used to do a lot of business with the Foreign Office, though. Though that might have been the customs gentleman, now I come to think of it. Regarding rather a lot of imported ivory. Do you remember Mrs Trellis? Oh, my memory's not so good these days. She used to help at Palmer's on a Saturday, uh, before Nancy arrived. Oh, yes. Quite a pretty young widow. Her husband was in the Navy, wasn't he? The Lancastria. Oh, that was a terrible business. Yes, that's right. She seemed settled here and she liked working in the shop. But then Mrs Henderson got hold of that story about the Italian POW. I don't think there was anything in it. She was just a kind woman, and she was polite to everyone. But things were never the same after that. She went to live with her sister in Wales. <laughs> Driven away, you mean. She told me she no longer felt welcome in Shuttlefield. Is that what I've done? Do you think I've driven Catherine away? Oh, she's not going to Wales, is she? No. But she is going away. She's got a job. With the Foreign Office, she won't tell me anything. I found a letter in her room. Oh. All hell let loose, naturally. She said I'd been going through her things. Of course I hadn't, but it's impossible to dust without moving this and that. Oh, it is, and young ladies seem to have such a lot of things. I've noticed that since Edith moved in. There isn't a spare surface. And Mr Croft, too. You must have quite a full house at the moment. Yes, but I like it like that. It's less lonely, isn't it? I had hoped... Having Mr. Croft under the roof, with Edith, I mean, that certain feelings might blossom, as they do. Well, yes, I, I suppose they do. He's a very nice young man, and it would be good to have him in the family. But I fear his intentions lay elsewhere, despite my best efforts. <laughs> Catherine, you mean? I had hoped. I thought it would do her good to form a connection to... But it's hopeless. <laughs> Always oh, terribly hopeless with Catherine. <laughs> Is it my fault that she's so terribly cold? I've tried my best, but I suppose it must be dreadfully embarrassing to have someone like me fluttering around all the time. I've never heard such nonsense in all my life. You've been more than a mother to that girl. You've been a father and sister as well. And you've never complained, not once. Nor sort of given up altogether. Your sister sees things in a different way and... That makes life difficult at the best of times. But there's nought as queer as folk. We all have our little ways and foibles. Just look at Mrs Holt and her canine menagerie. <laughs> You've put food on the table and coal on the fire and still found time to be pleasant and kind to each and every one of us in this village. Quite frankly, Miss Winters, I think you're an inspiration. You're quite... Right, Mr Jones, it does look just like a spoonful of marmalade. <laughs> it's funny how I've never noticed before. I've watched so many sunsets. This was Greyhounds, written by Laura Crow, performed by Time and Again Theatre Company. You have been listening to Fiona Primrose... Laura Crow, Catherine Cowdery, Tim Cooper, Jacqueline Weeble, Jacob Taylor, Paul Wilson, Kendall Boardman, K. 
Catherine Reynolds, Samantha Vaughan, Ben Hines, Adam Martin Brooks, and Anthony Morris. Yes, Sir, That's My Baby is written by Walter Donaldson and Gus Kahn. Music arranged and performed by the Easy Rollers. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next time. And remember, keep calm and carry on. When we reach that region.